There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Oh, good morning. It's uh, pretty early in the morning. Um, I had my coffee at Hernandez's Cafe. I think it's probably the only coffee shop in, around the cross that's open. Standing here looking down William Street. It's pitch black. The team's here. It's pretty cool. And I'm actually looking at a sign. It says, At Mark Boris, which is a bit freaky because as I drove up uh, William Street this morning, I saw it at Mark Boris. It's a big sign on top of the cross under the Coca-Cola sign. Omens for the future. Last night, big night. Um, budget night. I'm not. I'm not going to come here and start telling you about you know whether it's the deficit and you know billion trillion and all those other numbers everyone's throwing around. And I'm not here to promote the government. Um, the government can do a good job promoting themselves. Every single newspaper and radio station, television station is going to be talking about the budget and what it all means. And of course, no one's going to be any the wiser after it um, because they're all just numbers. So I was just actually thinking to myself when I get my coffee down here at Hernandez this morning. Normally, I get my coffee at Latterie, but they're just a, it's a tad early for them. Um, I wonder whether any of them wake up this morning and jump it for joy, thinking to themselves, wow, what a budget. This is going to help me improve my business or help me stay in business or encourage me to open up another coffee shop or encourage me to go invest in another business. I just wonder, I wonder. So let's just have a little look at this. Um, let's peel it a little back a bit and uh, try and examine what actually came out of the budget for small businesses. I'm not looking at changes in the defence spending in the budget. I'm not looking at what's happened for pensioners. I mean, they're not, those things are very important, but they're not that relevant to uh, our audience, particularly the small business audience. Uh, just make one comment that did come out of the budget. Um, the Treasurer is predicting um, reasonable growth in the gross domestic product in this country, and he's actually predicting in latter years quite a high growth relative to where we are today. So on that basis, he's pretty bullish about where this economy is going, and he actually thinks that we're going to be in the in the good territory. And I might add to also... Uh, the Treasurer said, uh, get out and have a go and um, borrow money and invest money, which is all very good. And I, I love his encouragement, but the question is, will the banks lend it to you? Um, that's the bottom line. I need to get a bank in here. I need to get someone in here from Navos and George to sit down and tell me, will they lend money to small business owners after the budget? What did Joe Hockey say that encouraged them to lend money to businesses after the budget and lend it at a reasonable rate that these guys can actually qualify to borrow it and, and or it's not going to strangle them? Uh, good on you, Joe, though. Good encouragement, mate. Um, and also for the Minister of Small Business, Bruce Bilson, good encouragement on your press release. This week's top five. Okay, commodity prices, no change. Inflation still remains at 1.3% because we don't expect another read on that for two more months. 
Unemployment, last week the unemployment rate increased to 6.2% in April, up from 6.1% in March. Look, all it means is that uh, we're not getting better. Potentially we're getting worse. Um, when you see the Reserve Bank reduce rates to 2%, that usually indicates to me there's something pretty bad out there. Um, I, my expectation is that inflation, uh, sorry, unemployment is going to grow. And even in the budget last night, the Treasurer talked about um, unemployment around 6.5% in the short term. So what they've done in the budget is clearly there to encourage businesses to employ people because they don't want a bigger unemployment number because a bigger unemployment number means a problem for them when the next election comes and they might lose the election. So look, for every race, there's a horse called self-interest and uh, don't forget there's one in this race. Australian economy, generally speaking, home loans are doing quite well, although there was a slight fall in the last couple, in the last periods. Um, the Australian economy is doing okay. You know, when I say quite well, I should actually qualify that. It's not doing quite well relative to what where the interest rates are because the interest rates are indicating to us that there's a problem. Let's just see. I mean, we, not, it's not time to panic, but it's time to be cautious and actually keep our eye on the ball. From Mark's mind. Okay, let's get, we've got through that. Um, I'm now going to uh, talk about the budget. Um, let's look what is on offer for small businesses from the budget. Now, let's just get it clear. Let's put it into perspective. Small businesses employ 60% of the private enterprise workforce in this country. They collect 60% of the bass for the government, for the Australian people in this country. They collect 60% of the group tax which goes in a consolidated revenue, which is used to pay for the public service and pay for everything else that the government spends money on. And they also contribute to 60% of all the superannuation for all the people who are actually employed in this country who retire one day when they turn 65. So pretty big deal. Everyone's, you know, going out there talking about the engine room of Australia and it looks like the government's been listening to my podcast because they've got to be – they're repeating the words that I use – it is the engine room, room of Australia. I looked at an article uh, that was printed earlier this morning by Grant Thornton, who are a great accounting firm in this country, um, and they did the same thing. It's funny. It seems like there's a movement at the moment in relation to small businesses. Last night, I was actually asked to go to the NRL, the National Rugby League, and do a talk to young footballers, and you know, I was only expecting to be 30 or 40 from then, end up being at least 200 people there who listened to me talk about small business and how do you get into small business and what it takes to survive in small business. And it's part of a Cert for Certificate for course for rugby league players who are considering becoming small business owners at the end of their career or even during their career. And I've never never seen this before. And it's a great initiative from the NRL. But there seems to be a, a groundswell around small businesses in this country at the moment. I don't know what's going on. I don't know whether I just got onto something. Uh, but I've been thinking about this for a long time. There's a groundswell. It's clear. And maybe the logic is is we've all worked out that it's these small business, this segment of Australia's market that actually does all the employment. Let's stop relying on the big business, the big mining companies. Let's stop relying on the big business, the big banks. Let's stop relying on the big business, the big insurance companies. Let's stop relying on the government to employ more people. Let's look to the small business. And part of the budget is, is it is laying a foundation for small businesses. Now, I'm going to have to say this about Bruce Bilson. I think he's an honest bloke. I really do think he's he gets it. I think he's the real deal when it comes to being a minister of small business. I spoke to him uh, two days ago. Um, that's Monday. Um, and his enthusiasm and uh, his initiative, I was quite impressed. He, you know, I, I called him. We had our conversation by telephone. Um, he's an open guy. He's frank. He seems to know all the stats. 
My guess is, is his background is in small business, but, you know, we'll soon get to talk about that. I understand that small business now has, and I call for this, has been elevated up into the Treasury Division. So he's sort of sitting there alongside Joe Hockey. I know he put a press release out with the Treasurer last night. So uh, small business is actually gaining traction as a portfolio in this country. Really cool. Very important. Um, I'm hoping to get the Minister on next week, and I want to dig in and find out actually what is his credentials and what it's all about. Now, when it comes to laying a foundation, governments, you know, are sort of hamstrung. There's only certain things they can do. So importantly, though, this has to be part of a run of initiatives for the government in relation to small businesses, not just this one hit and let's make everybody happy then walk away. It's really important that there's a lot of follow-through on this. So let's just quickly off the top talk about what the initiatives are. I'm not going to tell you it's, uh, there's been $3.25 billion in tax cuts for small businesses because, to be frank with you, if you're running the coffee shop down in Darlinghurst, you couldn't give a shit about $3.25 billion. That's not even a number. You wouldn't even know how many zeros is in that. You're interested in what does the uh, accelerated depreciation measures mean for me in my coffee shop. So $3.25 billion is a government number. It's a number the government's promoting. You want to know what does accelerated depreciation mean? Basically, it means that uh, small business is going to be able to write off the cost of an asset. Instead of writing off over five years, it might be able to write off in one year. What does that mean? That means if they are making a profit, then they get a greater tax deduction, which means they pay less tax, which means they've got more money after the, at the end of the year when they've you know, tallied up how much money they made and they pay the tax. After tax profit means they've got more dough, which means that they've got more money to put in their own pocket or reinvest in their business. Now, in principle, theoretically, it's a very, very good concept. It's a good initiative. Accelerated depreciation is a recognition of how important small businesses are in terms of the amount of money they invest in the economy, theoretically. Of course, writing it off means you have to spend it in the first place. In order to spend it in the first place, you have to have the confidence that it's worthwhile spending the money. And secondly, you have to have the money. It assumes that the small businesses are making profit. Most small businesses don't make a profit, especially startups, especially entrepreneurs. I know because I've been in small businesses and medium businesses where we don't make money for the first four years and we need enormous amounts of capital to fund that. Accelerated depreciation means stuff all because all it means is I'm writing off something against no profit, which means I don't get any benefit at all. Where this is important, this accelerated write-off, where it can become important is if you are in a small business business that is very successful and you have the ability to reinvest some of those profits into investment, investment um, into further investment in your business, inventories, other costs, you know, plant equipment, you can write it off and get a, a, a tax deduction. But that is only applicable to those small businesses that are established and are making money. Great. That keeps those guys in the game and encourages them to spend more money because they're making profit. It has that good economic effect. But it doesn't help those punters out there who aren't making any dough, and it certainly doesn't necessarily encourage someone to go off and set up a small business. But a good start. Uh, the, the tax rate for small business companies with annual turnover of $2 million or less has been reduced by 1.5 percentage points. In other words, it's gone from 30% to 28.5%. Um, of course, the government has said there's 780,000 of these in the small, biz- small businesses in this country with $2 million turnover or less who should enjoy the reduction tax rate. Great. A good incentive. Again, the, the major assumption that sits below that 
is that the, of those 780,000 businesses with less than $2 million of turnover, that they're making a profit. I would uh, venture to say probably 80% of them don't make a profit of those 780,000. They're either in early stages of setup or they're so small that they're, you know, they're making 100 grand a year profit or they might be making 10 grand a year profit. Well, $150 benefit for making $10,000 a year profit after all the expenses, et cetera, is probably not going to turn them on that much. So in I understand what the government's doing. Like, you know, if you measure this over 780,000 businesses and they're all saving 1500 bucks, that's a lot of money coming off the budget. I get it. It's got to be funded by the government. But, you know, let's not, let's not sort of get ahead of ourselves. And Does that actually encourage all these people making $10,000 a year? Are they all of a sudden sort of all excited because they're going to save 150 bucks a year in tax? I'm not sure about that. So in itself, it's a bit player. It's an important and part um, of the whole scheme to encourage people. Um, it's a nice thing. It's all right if you're making 300 grand a year. That's, that's a big incentive. Um, but if you're only making 10 grand a year, I don't know how that helps. And really it's the $10,000 a year profit, $20,000 a year profit guys that we're, and girls we're trying to actually encourage. They are the small, 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 small micro businesses. They're the real small guys. They're the guys who probably shouldn't be paying any tax as far as I'm concerned. Um, if, if anything, they should be given money. So let, let's just move on. So, but look, you know, in, its, in itself, it's not a bad initiative. Provide, uh, uh, they've gone on to say that they've provided a 5% tax discount for over one and a half million sole traders. Now, what this trust and partnerships, what this is, is those small businesses who have less than $2 million a year turnover, who are not incorporated, in other words, who are not operating as a company, instead of, uh, therefore, they don't qualify for the, you know, the 28.5% uh, tax rate, those guys are going to get a transfer of this benefit of um, reduction in tax by virtue of a 5% discount against their tax rate. But of course, it's capped at 1000 bucks. So what this tells me is when I look at something capped at $1,000 and that's supposed to be 5% discount, in other words, effectively taking the tax rate from 30% to 25%, but it's at 1000 bucks. I just gave an example where someone makes $10,000 a year, they're going to make $150, get $150 um, advantage. What this is really saying is they're dri- uh, when you look at 1000 bucks, they're sort of saying we're driving this whole initiative around companies. We want to cap it out at companies that are around 150 grand profit. We'll give them this sort of benefit of $1,000 worth of discount. So I can now see where the government's coming from. Um, I, I understand they've got to cap it because that means that they, cause they've got to fund this damn thing somehow. And, then, you know, they're trying to reduce the deficit to surpluses. And, and that's a good thing that they're actually acknowledging they're going to keep the deficit for a little while. But it's not enough. It's a good foundation to build on, but it's not enough. And maybe, you know, hopefully I don't have to wait for another year for them to build this up a bit more. But, you know, it's, it's, it's showing good initiative but of course, you know, the Minister for Small Business has to negotiate his way through the Treasury Department to work out how much money he can get to deliver to the small business owners. And that's not an easy easy task because he's in there arm wrestling with these gorillas all day long trying to get bigger discounts. I'm sure Bruce Bilson would have liked to got a 20% discount, but he wasn't able to. But in, in any event, it's a start, but in my view, is still not good enough. Now, this one's a good one. Um, uh, this, this is quite important. Uh, uh, for the next two years, small businesses with turnover below $2 million will be able to fully and immediately deduct every asset they acquire that is valued up to $20,000 for tax purposes. In other words, they've increased the amount you can tax, you can deduct for tax purposes in any year, but for the next two years only, from $1,000 where it used to be, up to twenty grand. So in other words, they're encouraging small businesses to go out and buy, for example, a Toyota Hilux, a twenty grand Toyota Hilux. 
Now, I'm not sure whether this is only on new assets or second-hand assets. I mean, there's obviously a lot of detail sitting behind all this sort of stuff. You've got to go see your tax agent for this sort of advice. But that's, that's not a bad initiative. What it's sort of saying to small businesses, look, we'll give you a immediate write-off if you go and spend up to 20 grand. Because, you know, if you go and spend up to 20 grand in the marketplace, you're a good bloke because uh, that's what this, our economy needs. So uh, it's, it's about encouraging people to spend dough, um, but it doesn't really address the fundamentals. Uh, the fundamentals is a business guy sits there and says, well, why should I spend the money? What's, my, what's the purpose of me spending the money? What benefit am I going to get to spend that money? They're not going to do it just because you get a tax deduction. You know, what's in it for me? And that's really, really important. What's in it for me? Will this budget encourage new people, young people, to go out this morning and set up that small business, that entrepreneurial thing they've been dreaming about, will they go and do it today? Is it strong enough to do that? And will those people who are already in business, is this budget strong enough to encourage them to go and employ one more person each? And is this budget strong enough to encourage those people who are thinking about closing down the business, which is like about 250,000 people a year, to keep their doors open and not put people off, sack people, make them redundant? And is this budget satisfactory to stop those people who are going backwards? In other words, people are sort of saying, well, maybe next year I've got to close my business down or I don't have enough confidence to keep going. That's the question about this budget. That's the question you've got to ask about the budget. Or is it just a good start? I think it's just a good start. I'd like to see a lot more. And finally, I'll, I'll read the quote from the Treasurer's statement. The government will remove obstacles to crowdsourced equity funding to help promote small business access to finance by increasing the availability of innovative sources of funding. Well, basically what crowdfunding is, is that um, the populace, the people out there in the community are able to invest, you know, 1000 bucks, $2,000, whatever it is, into a fund in order to fund or capitalise a new small business. Now, there are a whole lot of regulatory environments in this country, particularly that which is regulated by ASIC, that prevent promoters or people setting up crowdsourced funding activities. I mean, there is disclosure requirements and there's all sorts of things that are, and it's a tough, difficult environment, which sort of discourages crowdsource funding small business owners and other guys who actually set up these crowdsourcing things from raising money to actually invest in small businesses. Now, what uh, the Treasurer is promoting here is that they will talk to ASIC, the regulator, try and make that a little bit easier. Now, I don't really know what it means. I haven't seen the detail. A lot of these things have got to be negotiated with the regulator and, of course, the regulator is very powerful. But we'll see what the outcome of that is. What the attempt here is, though, is to make access to funding easier. You know, what I reckon they should do is they should do this. They should, and we saw this in the film industry many, many years ago, probably in the 80s, early 80s. The government wanted the government of this country decided that they wanted to promote the film industry in this country. And of course, our film industry in this country is pretty good today. One of the foundations they did was they said, okay, if you, an investor, want to put money into a into a fund, along with a whole lot of other investors, and that money is then used to produce an Australian film, you know, Crocodile Dundee, or it's probably not, didn't apply to Crocodile Dundee, but uh, um, Gallipoli or one of those sorts of movies, which it did apply to, 
um, then you, the investor, will get a 100% tax deduction or even a 150% tax deduction for the amount of money you invested in the fund. Now, that's a great initiative. That's a great piece of fiscal policy because all of a sudden, people out there in the marketplace are going to say, well, what's my downside? I invest $100,000 out of my superannuation or just out of my free funds. I get a $150,000 tax deduction. So that's worth to me because my tax rate is 50%. That's worth $75,000 refund off my tax straight away. So really all this so far, the investments cost me is 25 grand net. Um, and and if, I'm, if I'm one of the participants in the funding of this movie, um, if the movie does well, if it's, if it's a blockbuster, then I might get my 100 grand back or I might actually make a profit. So there's a lot of upside in it. This sort of fiscal policy initiative, I think, should be one of the fiscal policy initiatives the government adopts to help fund small business owners. So, you know, you've got this situation now where, what they call it crowdsource funding, or it doesn't really matter where the funding comes from, whether it's a trendy form of funding, which is crowdsource funding, or whether it's actual a, a normal mainstream source of funding that is just a, a fund set up to, you know, uh, put into small business owners. If they said to investors, look, we will give you a, a, a tax deduction for every dollar that you invest in this fund that actually then gets invested into small businesses in this country of this size, of this category, you, the investor, will get a $1.50 tax deduction. Year one, straight away, no questions asked. That will encourage punters, people with excess capacity, people with money to invest, to invest in a fund that will then invest in small businesses in this country. That's the sort of initiative I'd love to see. That's a ballsy one. It's a bold one. But, like, let's, let's face it, our treasurer, he's ballsy. He's bold. You know, he's made some big statements. I reckon this is the sort of thing he might be interested in. I know Bruce Bilson would love to do something with this. Let's all get behind Bruce Bilson's right arm and help him arm wrestle the treasurer and get this sort of stuff for Australian small businesses. A tax deduction of at least 100% or more than 100% of the investment you make into a fund that ultimately invests its money in small businesses. And I would love those funds to be set up because I'd be one of the first blokes to set one of those funds up and I would be using that money when people come into this studio and they want to pitch their business to me and if their business is good enough, I'll be investing money out of that fund for my investors so that that bloke, that bloke is pitching, can actually get his business off the ground. Now that is an initiative and I'd love to see that one. And then, of course, you can tell the banks get stuffed because you don't need their you don't need to borrow money from them, because there's no way the government's going to tell the banks, listen, you got to start lending money to small businesses. They're just not going to do it because there's all a whole lot of prudential rules and regulatory environments which require banks to make certain assessments of the quality of the borrower. And a lot of these startups don't have great quality as borrowers. I mean, the, in, I'm talking in, in pure credit terms. They don't have history. They don't have any assets. They don't have any security. And, of course, the regulatory framework sort of stops the banks from lending the money to these people because, you know, the regulator, APRA, doesn't want the banks to take risks because the regulator is here to protect the financial security of this country, which means you look after the bank's assets, which means the ba- you stop the banks from making these sorts of investments. So it's back to private enterprise. It's back to you and me and all the rest of the people. We have to do something. And now the government has to allow us to do this, has to help us do this. We need ASIC to sort of loosen the regulatory environment but also we need some major incentive to get investors to put dough into small businesses and a vehicle to do it through. We might ask Bruce about that if I can get him on next week. What's really, uh, I mean, one, one thing that's just gone through my mind is this um, small business 
owners need to be encouraged. And I was walking across the road and I thought, what's the sort of thing that would get everyone to say, well, yeah, wow, I'd like to be a small business owner. I mean, it's not just the economics of being a small business owner, it's the, the pride of being a small business owner. Now, you know, we, we put our small business owners down by default because we don't acknowledge them, we don't do anything for them. Only recently I was given the Order of Australia medal. So I'm, I was made a member of the Order of Australia. And I, look, I, I, I'm very humble to be given that. I'm proud to be honoured by, by the Governor-General. It was a wonderful achievement, you know, in terms of what my family's done for me, I, I, and I'm most honoured. But you know what? I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I would willingly give up that medal if the government would come out and promote the Prime Minister's medal for small business owners. And we do it once a year. You can do it on Australia Day. You can do it on the Queen's birthday. Or let's have a day. It doesn't have to be a public holiday because small businesses will be open anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. Just let's have a day and where we celebrate small business owners and let's make it a proud day to be a small business owner. And on that day, the Prime Minister can give out a pin, similar to what I got for the Order of Australia, to small business owners for their achievements. And what we do is we appoint representatives in each state to gather up these people who are nominated by their peers or whoever. And the story is built up as to who they are. And all these stories can go on YouTube and the Prime Minister and the Minister for Small Business can get there and they can do the presentation on one day of the year. So let's celebrate small businesses. Let's encourage small businesses. Let's tell them, listen, this is important. You're important. That way we can encourage you. We might have 10 categories of this award. You know, the you know small business award for startups, small business award for this category, which is, you know, something to do with health, small business awards for IT, small because it's not just about making a lot of dough. Is it about making money, Mark? Is it are, no. we, are we saying, hey, you made a great profit this year, we'll, we'll applaud you? What, no, what, no, no, that's right. Based that, on? That, well, Jess, that's, that's my whole thing. This, this budget's about that. This budget is about, oh, you make a profit, we'll help you make a profit. You know, it doesn't help you make a profit, this. It, it sort of basically says if you make a profit, we won't tax you as much. It's sort of a, a negative. It's a bit of a backhander, you know. Um, and in itself, it's a good thing. I mean, it's better to have it than not have it. But I don't think it actually gets someone to wake up this morning and say, Jesus, I really want to be in a small business. I, I want to be a small business owner. What makes people want to be small business owners is when someone acknowledges them. It's got to be a prize in it. It's a bit like winning the, you know, the – the Rothmans Medal or some well, – you're not allowed to call it Rothmans anymore. What's it called these days, Nick? The rugby league – the Dalliam Awards. Players play hard to become – to win the Dalliam Awards and they want to win in every category. If you're the front row, you want to be, you know, best prop, best lock, best halfback, best – that's that's what – a major portion of what encourages and incentivizes people to set up things or do well in anything, it doesn't matter what it is, is the acknowledgement of the awards. And there's no acknowledgement by the government here. And, I, and, and mate, I know there's new new stuff. I mean, it's pretty scary stuff for the government to have a, a Prime Minister's Day. But, like, you know, if Abbott wants to get up there and give people a medal and pin it on their lapel and, and let's televise this and make a big deal of it and, and celebrate it, I reckon that will encourage a lot of people to set up small business instead of sort of making it some sort of scary underworld where they've got to go and, you know, poke their way in with a 20-foot white pole just to see what's behind the door. I mean, that's sort of what opening up a small business is all about. That's what entrepreneurial is, is today. Let's make it an open door. You don't need the white stick. Actually, let's get the government holding your hand and walking into that, that, that labyrinth. Let's get the government doing that for you. 
You know, like it, it, it's it's sort of like uh, mythological nearly to set up a small business and become an entrepreneur in this country. You know, and I, why have the myth of the Minotaur having to walk through this bloody scary um, labyrinth and, you know, you're going to face the Minotaur because then you don't know where he is. He could be around the corner anywhere. Um, just because you can come out the other side and make a few bucks and you get a, uh, a tax, you know, reduction in the amount of tax you've got to pay, that doesn't actually get someone sort of too encouraged to go on the door in the first place. The way you do it is you, is you build up a platform that make, makes people want to have a crack at this. And I reckon a Prime Minister's award day would be brilliant. And that's a real laying down the foundation for small business in this country. And you know what, Jess? You know what this could become? Australia could become the model for small businesses for the world, for the G20, for the OECD countries. Let's actually make a stance. Let's be known for something. An Australian small business, we're not, we should not just be known for Fosters, Rugby League, sporting achievements, you know, blah, blah. Let's be known for the country that fosters, truly fosters and nurtures a small business and recognises and acknowledges their importance in a real way. Now, I will say this to you on the same topic. I have had some experience um, in this area and I, I last year, well, maybe the year before, uh, was the keynote speaker at the Telstra Business Awards. It used to be called the Small Business Award, but now, it's now called the Telstra Business Awards. Um, and I, I, I was surprised to find that they've invested over $20 million in that over the last 15 to 20 years. I think it might have been their 21st birthday or something. And it's a, it's a brilliant initiative by just one company in this country. It shouldn't be just down to private enterprise or in, in the case of Telstra, Telstra. Um, it should be the whole country should be celebrating and it should be the government should be assisting them. And, if, and by the way, if there's money to be invested in these awards, maybe the government should be funding that for Telstra that, or, or it should be collaborative and maybe the Prime Minister can get up at these award nights and give the awards out. It's, and, and the Telstra Business Awards are really important. I'd like to see many more of those, but most importantly is to get the government to do their own thing. Ask Mark. Tweet Mark with your questions at Mark Boris. M-A-R-K-B-O-U-R-A-S. Mark, you've been getting loads of questions on email and on Twitter from people wanting your advice, but this one in particular really struck me. This is from, from a guy called Rob. He says he's been in the New South Wales Police Force for nearly 13 years. He's at a stage in his life where he's questioning if there's something else that he should be doing for the rest of his working life. He says, I've always had the motivation to work hard, but policing is not the environment that encourages hard work. Policing, if nothing else, teaches resilience to stress and a respect for doing the job the right way. He says, I need to make my own luck and look for a challenge. If I wanted to start my own business with minimal capital, how would I do that exactly? Well, the first thing is, Robin, look, I know a lot of, I've got a lot of mates who are cops and I have to say that... uh, the police put their life on the line literally every day for a very little reward. So the risk-reward ratio is out of kilter and uh, we need to um, acknowledge that. And I think that um, they but they do teach some good stuff and they get good, very good foundations. So, Rob, by the sound of you, you've got good foundations in process, you've got good foundations in analytics because you're probably always analysing what it is you're doing um, and, they get, and you get uh, really good um, internal education um, schemes that are going on with the cops. So I'd say you've got something there to do uh, to, to take with you into small business. Minimum amount of capital, generally speaking, um, requires an, an excellent idea 
and excellent ability to execute. Um, I'm not sure whether that's going to be the case. I don't know what your idea is, but you've got to do a couple of things. The first thing is your idea has to be able to turn into a product or service. The product or service that you your idea um, is in relation to is has to be something that gets um, put to a rising tide of demand. In other words, it's an, it's an environment where there are lots and lots of people and it's growing who want this product or service. And you've got to understand the fundamental reasons why this rising tide exists. So a good example of that is um, the IT sector. Um, there is a rising tide due to mobile phones and smart devices and all the access to the internet and all the stuff that comes off the back of that for good IT service businesses to float around in the country. So there's a rising tide in IT environments and it's a, it's a good place to set up small businesses. But you've got to have an idea and a product and or service that can actually be sold into that rising tide. And you've got to, you know, you've got to have a proper analysis of this. And finally, if you've got no capital or if you want to put minimal capital, and I guess that means virtually stuff all, um, you've got to have a business that actually probably relies on you personally being using your personal exertion to make the money. In other words, you're not selling something that requires money to build it in the first place or you need, requires money to establish a plant to sell it or requires money to establish premises to sell from. It tells me what, it, what you're sort of saying is that you need to do something that uh, where the capital that's being expended is your effort, your time, your effort. Now, that could be physical effort or it could be intellectual effort. And I don't know which one you're talking about because you haven't actually told me. But if it's the intellectual effort, um, you know, a good example of that is, um, um, you know, you might be uh, very good at, uh, you know, neuroscience and that might have been a pastime. And while she'd been in the police force, she went and did a neuroscience degree. And as a result of that, you can actually sell your intellectual property for large sums of money. Now, I know it's a bit of a wild sort of example, but it's a good example, it's a, a, a good way of explaining example. Alternatively, you might be very good at security in a physical sense, and you might be able to use your physicality, personal exertion, to um, um, build up that security business. You might be a great investigator who wants to go into commercial investigation, in other words, work for insurance companies. Again, requires very little capital, and it's something you can actually leverage off given your experience and your personal ability. Um, but again, you've got to know whether there is a rising tide for that, that service and or product. That's where your analytics got to be done. Mark, how much does passion play in taking that big leap? Do you have to be passionate about a product or a service that you're offering to make a success, to be successful in small business? Well, it's, it, um, <clears throat> I, I guess passion is a, um, a necessary ingredient, but it's not a sufficient ingredient um, in terms of pure logic. Um, what I mean by a necessary ingredient, I mean, you, you don't, you, if you don't have it, you've got a problem. In other words, you've got to believe in what you're doing. I mean, you've got to be very passionate about it. But I'd like, you know, small business owners and the people listening to me to think this through with me and you know, I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are. But I'd like to take the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N. I mean, it's a bit of a weird word when you look at it. Um, they've even got fruits named after it. I'd take it away Take the word away and let's look at it. What let's dig below it and see what it means. My view, of what it means is passion means energy. It means you've got a lot of energy about the topic, and the energy comes from confidence and belief, and the belief and confidence come about from knowledge. So, the best way for me to um, paraphrase passion into a sentence is that you prosecute 
with energy the knowledge you have about something. I don't care whether it's about Greenpeace, uh, whether it's about the environment, whether it's about your business, etc. It's like you've had four or five coffees and that you are on fire about something that you know about. In other words, there's a depth in your knowledge base and you want to prosecute it to everyone. That to me is passion and that you wake up and feel the same about it every day. That to me is passion, but it's not enough. It's necessary because if you don't have it, you've got a problem. If you just turn up to work and, you know, you've got the business going, you're walking, your arms are down by your side and your shoulders are sloping forward and your head's down and your, your stomach's out and your back's, you know, back's rolled, you walk into your business and you're yawning and uh, you, don't, and you haven't, been, I haven't been reading up industry magazines, you don't know what's going on in the industry. Like if Jake didn't know what was going on in his industry, you know, Jake's in this room today, if he didn't know what was going on in, in the industry – and he didn't walk in with his shoulders back and his chin up and ready to get into it like he was at 4am this morning, um, then he has no passion and therefore he's, he's actually hamstrung. And I don't think he's got a bloody chance to survive him, to be honest with you. Um, he doesn't stand out above the crowd if he's like that. And Jake does stand out above the crowd because he's standing there, um, he's bouncing his finger on the table. He's standing up, he's just ready to go. I don't know how many coffees you've had, Jake, but you, you, you're, you're a good example of what I mean by passion. He's passionate about what he does. He's flicking the switches up and down here and he's sending me notes, you're right, going over time. He's on it. On what, I don't know, but uh, irrelevant because um, it is 4 a.m. where we are in the cross, so anything could be happening. And he is like in his 20s. Are you in your 20s, Jake? 30. 30. Just, you just hit the mark, mate. 30, 30s. Perfect. Okay, so that's what passion is, Jess. That's what I mean by passion. It's, it's necessary ingredient because you must have it. If you don't have, you've got a problem. It's not sufficient to survive in business. Looking forward, this is the week ahead. Okay, well, we're just going to close off now, but I had a good rant this morning. I bet um, but it's been fun. I've got to get on an aeroplane and go off to Singapore again in, in two hours. So I just want to leave you with this idea. Um, what would be great if um, you could email me or tweet into me um, what single thing would be the impetus to get you off your ass and actually set up tomorrow morning your small business idea? I mean, what is the thing that is missing, the missing ingredient or what combination of four or five things would, and just in one word, that would get you to go and set up the small business that the, the treasurer is actually encouraging you to do at the moment? And that everyone's talking about. What are they? I need to know it. Let's do a survey ourselves of all the people. And 100,000 people went on the news.com uh, website recently to you know, hear and read some of the part, part of uh, episode four, I think it was, of, of my podcast. Um, and I'd like to know what you guys are thinking about. You know, what is it that the government needs to do? What is it that you need to see in front of you that'll make you do it? And equally, um, of, of equal importance is that I did speak to the Minister for Small Business, Bruce Bilson. We are trying to negotiate with him, and he's a busy guy, but negotiate with him for next week's podcast and interview where I'm not going to ask him about you know, how much money is this saving the Australian government or the Australian people. You know, I'm not interested in the $3.25 billions and all that sort of number. Billions don't mean much to us. Um, what I want to know is what's his background? What makes him qualified to be the Minister for Small Business? Why is he passionate about small business, which he seems to be? Um, what, what is it like to sit down there and negotiate with the treasurer and the treasury, the whole department, 
about incentives to stimulate small business in the country. What is the government really thinking about here? Why do they really want to stimulate small business? Is it because they just want to get a reduce the deficit to a surplus over time? Is it just because the mining companies have all exited and, you know, we can't rely on the mining industry? What really is it? Do they actually really have an affection for small businesses like we all do? That's what I want to know. And I'm sure he'll give us frank answers because he seems like a pretty honest bloke when I spoke to him, but let's hope we can get him in here. This will be my first interview on a podcast, Jess. I'm looking forward to that. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. Listener.